Good evening, Lake Church. Good to see you guys this evening. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. We'd like to give a special welcome to our online audience. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Amen. You guys excited for this evening, part two of Ephesians. Maybe we'll make it to verse three tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's start with some announcements really quickly. First of all, I want to make you aware, if you weren't already, 
We have some new USBs available in the bookstore back there, first of which is Cross-Eyed, the series we went through on Sunday mornings. Were you guys blessed by that series? Incredible time in the Word. Make sure that you go back there and pick this one up as well as what we were studying on Wednesday nights, Hear and Be Healed. Both of these USB series uh, available now at the bookstore. You pick them up at the bookstore over there. You pay for them at the coffee shop in case you didn't know how that stuff works. So anyway, make sure and go pick these up if you want to listen to them personally. Also, uh, once you get finished with them, uh, pass them on to a friend because anybody, anybody, anybody can be blessed and benefit from these series. Amen. So make sure and take advantage of that. Next, Mighty Men. All right. You guys weren't ready. Let me try it again. Mighty Men. All right. Mighty Men's Breakfast is coming up. It's this Saturday, March 18th at 9 a.m. at Lake Camp. If you don't know where that is, then you need to see Patrick Drake, and he will be able to answer all those questions for you. Uh, So 10 a.m., make sure that you register online. You can register on the Facebook page or also lake-church.com. And sign up that way. We make sure have a good head count. Make sure we got enough bacon. Amen. Hallelujah. So Pastor Greg will be speaking there. We also have a, a huge announcement we want to make regarding men's ministry. So you do not want to miss out on that. So invite your friends, uh, and it'll be a fantastic time. Amen. So next, Greater Grace Women's Adventure. See, the women were ready. They were ready. Greater Grace Women's Adventure. Special guest Melanie Clay will be our speaker for that. Uh, Thursday, March 30th, Friday, March 31st. Doors will open at 6 p.m. It starts at 7, but you want to make sure that you get here in time to get a good seat and, uh, you know, get here in time to conversate and do all the stuff that the ladies do and, uh, you know, make new friends and meet up with old friends. Amen? So that'll be an exciting time. Um, early bird costs $25. Make sure that you take advantage of that uh, early bird low-cost registration. So there are pre, uh, T-shirts available available for pre-order for $15. Those are available until March 19th. So you can still come if you don't sign up before that, but you won't get a shirt. So make sure that you get a shirt. Sign up in time for the shirt. Amen. So register at Lake Church, lake-church.com. Um, you can do through Facebook as well or also on the uh, Church Center app and um, and do it that way. Amen. So that being said, we'll move on and we will give you guys a chance to give into the Lord. Who's excited to give tithes and offerings tonight? You weren't ready for that one either. Who's ready to give tithes and offerings? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. So uh, I just want to make sure that you guys are aware of all the different ways that we have here. You say, I want to be a part of that. Well, we want you to be able to be a part. And so uh, if you'd like to give cash or check, or even pocket change, however you like to do it. You know, we've got those envelopes and the seat backs in front of you. If you like, give it that way. You can just drop it in the bucket. Jerry Wagner back there will be happy to receive offering from you as you leave this evening. Also, if you want to give uh, text to give, there is a number up there. You just text the word give to that number, and you can give safely and securely that way. If you're watching online, lake-church.com. There's a giving tab. Just follow those prompts, and uh, it's easy peasy. Amen. So also, there's uh, the church uh, church center app and so if you have not downloaded that app yet there the way to do it there's printed info instructions on how to get that done to download that app on your phone 
And once you download the Church Center app, then you look for Lake Church in that app and get set up that way, and you can give easily, securely, 24 hours a day through that app. Amen. So I just wanted to encourage you to take advantage of every opportunity that you might have to sow into the kingdom. Amen. So there are all different things to sow into above your tithe. Of course, we don't need to be taught on tithes here. We're taught very well. But I want to encourage you to continue in your offering above your tithes. And there are all, there's a plethora. Oh, yes, El Wapo. There's a plethora of ways to invest. That's, a, that's an old reference that maybe some people might get. Maybe not. All right. So anyway, so if you want to give to Train Bible College, you want to give to Train Christian Academy, you want to give to the men's ministry, the ladies' ministry, missions all around the world, there's no shortage of opportunities to sow seed into good ground. Amen. And so seed sown in faith brings forth harvest. Isn't that right? So the important thing is that we're doing kingdom work and that uh, the, that God's word is spread and disciples are being made and people are passing <laughs> me from death unto life isn't that right hallelujah we'll take your offering in your hand we'll pray over it together <coughs> father we thank you for this opportunity to sow seed in faith father we thank you that it is a principle that seed time and harvest will not pass away father we sow in faith and we expect <coughs> supernatural harvest in jesus name amen Good evening, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Guess where we're going to be at tonight? We're going to be in Ephesians. All right. Ephesians. All right. Amen. But before we do, I just think we need to stand and just give God praise and thank him for his goodness and mercy. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Father God, for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you, Father God. That you are good and you do good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Rocky, come on, come on up here, brother. Hallelujah. Let me, let me have that. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now listen to this good testimony here about the goodness of the Lord. All right. Okay, so about three months ago, I woke up one morning, you know, with this uh, blemish on my nose. And I'm thinking, you know, because I work at a chemical company, that it's just a chemical burn because I've had several of them. Well, a couple of months went by, and uh, my daughter, Chelsea, she's an RN. She goes, Dad, she goes, I think that uh, you might have skin cancer. So I said, okay. So it got me kind of thinking, you know. And so two weeks later, I go to the, I make myself a doctor's appointment, and my, and my uh, primary care physician says, he didn't, he didn't even look at it for two seconds. He goes, yep, that's, that's skin cancer. So, uh, so I'm really starting to think. So now, now, uh, you know, I'm, he goes, well, I'll hook you up with a dermatologist, you know, and you can, they'll look at you and they'll, you know, tell you what they think. And so this morning at 10 o'clock, I went to the dermatologist, but before that I had brothers praying with me. 
I had, you know, my brothers praying with me. My pastor prayed over me. And Sunday, we had a corporate prayer. And so we just stood and we believed. And, uh, you know, like we're taught, you know, what the word says, you know. And so the uh, dermatologist, she, uh, have you ever seen uh, Dr. Pimple Popper? Well, she's she's uh, an, uh, a lady. She looks like that lady. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> it wasn't her, but you know. Anyways, uh, she goes. She looked at it, and uh, she she didn't look, you know, uh, disturbed or like uh, it's a bad thing. She she goes, oh, uh, she goes, and I don't uh, remember the correct terminology that she used, but uh, she didn't seem really concerned. She said, we're going to do a biopsy anyways, and just to rule it out. Those were her words. So uh, that was a good report. That was a good report. And uh, so I just want to thank the Lord. And uh, they did some, uh, they looked at some other things, and they said it's no problem. You know, the freeze, they did the freeze spray on uh, several parts of my face. Uh-huh. But it was a good report. And so I just want to say thank you, Lord. And Hallelujah, thank you all. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for thank believing with me. And Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Love you, brother. Hallelujah. That's a good report. Amen. To go from skin cancer to just going and needing to use sunblock. That's a good thing. When you see the doctor say, what's prescribed? Sunblock. He needs some sunblock on. Come on now. That's a good testimony. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, you've got to learn to take it. Yes. Amen? Amen? You know, even if it's not the full manifestation that you want or the, or the clean bill of health that you might want the doctor to write down, you've got to take yes. Yes. and squeeze yes. the good report right. and be thankful. Amen? Yes. And grateful for what they didn't say. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, there's people that say, well, it could have been better. Well, faith always believes it could have been worse. Amen. Amen. And so praise God. We're going to just rejoice in the Lord and his goodness and mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. Does anybody else have a, does anybody else have a testimony? Praise God. Come on up here, sister. Give a testimony. Um, Sunday when we were having prayer, uh, well before that, I hurt my left knee somehow. Over the last month, I've been in so much pain. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to bend it or walk on it right. You know, just major mm-hmm. problems. So Sunday when you were having prayer with the guy with the right knee, mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to take that too. Amen. And I prayed, my knee is fine. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Does anybody else have a testimony? I, tell you, I just sense people got some testimonies in here. Amen. Hey, let me tell you what I told my class Monday night. Just listen to me now. I'm, I'm just being Papa Bear here, okay? You guys always talk about the Lord not moving in services and moving. But I'm going to sit here and tell you, that's your problem. It's not mine. Some of you are withholding 
and you're not stepping out and you're not doing what you need to do. And you know what? Everybody can say, well, I want God to move in the service. Well, I'm telling you, how does he move? Does he move as you as a spectator or as someone that comes in and is a participator? Amen. You need to stop asking the question, who's going to minister? You need to come to the church saying, I'm here to minister. Amen. Whether it's praying, whether it's praying for someone, whether it's ministering to someone, whether it's giving a tongue, whether it's giving an interpretation, whether it's giving a prophecy, whether it's giving a testimony. See how that edifies and builds up the place when you hear good testimonies? What you're going through is, is strengthened. You're strengthened and encouraged in your heart because God is no respecter of persons. And what he's done for one, he'll do for you. Amen? So do we have anybody? Hallelujah. All right. Testify, brother. Testify. I just want to say the Lord is good. and um, He's brought us through a lot of stuff these last two years. And uh, I'm just so thankful for not only for good pastors, but also good people in the church. Amen? Amen. That uh, when, when we're low... We've got a situation, um, we get prayer, and we've got brothers and sisters that, that help lift us up. Amen. I want to thank the Lord for Wade Urban. Amen. As that brother right there has Amen. texted me every morning, I can't tell you for how long, and just uh, always ministering to me, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for good brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. 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 Anybody else got a testimony? Praise the Lord. See how that edifies and builds up the body? Amen. When people testify and talk about the goodness of the Lord. Thank you, Father. All right, Marie, give us a testimony. Hallelujah. Okay, um, so I moved here to Oklahoma in August, and I wasn't able to get my job until October. So I was running low on my savings account that I had saved up to move here, and it was time for me to pay rent and utilities and all of that. And um, I was $250 short of my utility bill and like that was it I didn't have any money left in the account and God was like well are you gonna trust me or not and I was like okay and um I checked the mail for the first time and I was like I I never get mail usually because I don't know I just don't get mail but anyways I checked the mail and I had a check for $250 that paid glory to God (laughs) hallelujah praise God Oh, I don't know if I want to give the microphone to this lady. <laughs> I'll make it short and sweet. Okay. Uh, we just kind of have been going through some things for the past week or so, and it was like all this chaos around us, and I remembered the secret place and just started quoting Psalm 23 over me. Mm-hmm. And the situation didn't really change all that much, but I got peace. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Come on now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on. Come on up, sister. Now we've got a noose. We're going to, you know, if you go too long. We... <laughs> um, three months ago, I broke my ankle. And when they were doing the healing here and be healed um i was hearing and i was praying and but standing on the word that i was standing on the word but the holy spirit told me you're not broke and i'd look at my ankle and say you're not broke 
and I stood on that, and I went to the doctor, and he was saying surgery, and I was saying nope, and no surgery, and I got shoes on. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody else got a testimony? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on now. Going once. Going twice. Hallelujah. I just sense the Lord's got testimony for somebody. It's going to be a domino effect. It's going to be a domino effect. Hallelujah. Okay. We've got a couple more. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, for 18 years, I suffered with severe low blood sugar. And most doctors don't even believe that's a thing. But I had to eat every three hours. My body would not lose weight. I just every year get fatter and fatter. No diet worked. And finally, they found something growing on my pancreas and they took it off. Boom. I'm healed. No blood sugar problems. Hallelujah. I don't have to eat at all. Thank I tell my kids, like, I can just not eat. <laughs> that's, an, that's a miracle. Amen. Praise the Lord. So Glory to God. God. Hallelujah. God. God is good. She wrestled with that for years and years, and the Lord gave, gave insight. Amen. Okay, I just want to testify to God's faithfulness. Um, on Christmas Day, Carl's sister came to live with us on hospice, and she was at the end stages of her life. And she had struggled with fear her whole life and was looking for God. And God found us okay to take care of his daughter. And um, through ministering through the pastor on off of text and text and, and the other pastors coming out. And she received Christ and she went peacefully. And so God is faithful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Grace, come on up here, and, and Carl, come up here. Now, <clears throat> before we, Grace and Carl, there's just been a great transformation in their lives. And um, it's, it's an incredible, incredible story. But they're going to be married this Saturday. Amen. Amen. And so what we want to do is we want to pronounce a blessing over their union. Amen. And so we're going to do that as a, as a family. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for grace. I thank you for Carl. And we just pray a blessing upon their lives in Jesus' name. I just thank you, Father God, for your anointing. I thank you, Father God, for your blessing upon this union, upon these people in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God that they will go forth into a bright and productive future in you, in Jesus' name. And I just thank you, Father God, that you're going to meet them right where they're at, that you're going to bring them to the places that they've always dreamed about being, and that they'll, they'll, they'll understand your fullness in a greater way, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. 
And like I said, this is verse-by-verse study. So the pace is going to be different than it is if someone's up here, you know, exhorting or preaching. So it's going to be a little bit more informational. Um, and there'll be some inspiration, but, uh, you know, it's going to be information and conveying information. And uh, so I'm going to do a, a little quick overview because we only got through uh, one. Well, we didn't even get through that verse, but we're going to get through this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And you can tell a lot about a letter by how it opens. And when we looked at this, we saw that, he, uh, he uh, states that he is the author of this letter, and he uses the name Paul. And it's very important that we understand what that statement is because there's a lot of weight to a name. You know, uh, a name holds great uh, power within it and great weight within it. And uh, he was born Saul which was the first king of Israel. But uh, after God transformed his life, he, was, he changed his name to Paul. So Saul had to do with the regency and the, the, uh, the kingship of Israel, the first king of Israel. It was mighty Saul, but now it is Paul, which means small or little. And it shows you the attitude that Paul carried, even though he was abundant in revelation, even though he knew things that were going to transform the world and that they would come through his pen and through his messages, he considered himself the least among all the apostles and he saw himself smaller. He saw himself small. Amen? And then he goes on and describes himself as an apostle, an apostle. And the word apostle, apostolos in the Greek, is a Phoenician naval term, which means an admiral over a fleet of ships. It's the highest of the fivefold ministry gifts. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, firstly, apostles. It puts that gifting at the very top. Because the apostolic gift has the ability to tap into all of the other four gifts. It can tap into the teacher. It can tap into the evangelist. It can tap into the prophet. It can tap into the pastor. And uh, uh, it, anything that is needed in a, in, a, in a particular area or territory, that apostolic gift has the ability to bring infrastructure and to change culture. It's a powerful, powerful gift. So here we see the contrast. We see the contrast of a man that sees himself as small, but yet calls himself by the highest office in the land, in the body of Christ. See, we need to understand that we may not look like much on the outside, but it's what's on the inside that really matters. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? And Paul understood that, you know what? I don't need to gloat about my outer life. I need to rest and understand what God's done in my inner life. And that is really something that we can take with us 
in our life and and in what we do for the Lord is understand that we must see ourselves small in our own eyes, but understand and recognize every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're called to acknowledge that because when we acknowledge that, we glorify the Lord because we're not relying upon our own strength or our own talents or our own gifts. We're relying upon His. Amen? And that's what... uh, you know, he begins to convey. He noted, notice it says, of Christ Jesus. You see, when an apostle that was sent by a king or sent by a dignitary or sent by someone else, uh, they would go forth and they would increase the territory of the land. They would increase the territory of that kingdom. The apostle Paul says, I am an apostle of Jesus or Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then he goes on and he says, by the will of God. And it's very important. The word will there is the Greek word thelemi. And it means God's absolute desire or preferred will. Now we need to understand something about this word thelemi in the Greek. Because it can be either accepted or rejected. So this will of God can either be accepted or rejected. We choose whether we're going to walk in the will of God. And we'll talk about that as we get later on in the verses when it talks about the preordination, the plan of God that was written about you before the foundation of the world. There's many people that will tell you that to be preordained or to be predetermined means that you have no choice in the matter, but that is not what this word thelema means. Thelema actually says, I am in the will of God, by the will of God, but I could reject the will of God or I can accept the will of God. Right. Amen? Yes. And how many realize that in your own life? Yes. That there's been times that you've stepped into the will of God in a situation, and there's times that you've stepped out of the will of God. Right. Amen? So the goal is to be able to stand in the total will of God, renew our mind, that we may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen? So he he says, to the saints, everybody say saints. And that's the uh, Greek word hagios in the Greek, and it means set apart ones. The different ones. See, if you're called to be a saint, how many saints do we have in here? Now, you don't have to be called by the Vatican a saint. Come on now. Don't get all nervous on me. The Pope, the Pope doesn't have to call you a saint for you to be a saint. How do you become a saint? You become a saint by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving his gospel. Amen? And when you receive his gospel, you're born again. You're born of God. And you become a hagios. A holy one would be a good translation. Now, some of you may have walked in here and said, I don't feel holy. You know, and that, that term might cause you to quake in your boots. But guess what? Jesus Christ's blood has made you holy before a holy God. Amen? Praise God. Amen? Isn't that good? And so it's a, it, it means to be a different one. It means uh, sacred. It means like the Lord. Amen? Like the Lord. Well, is your 
walk with the Lord? Is your confession of faith, is it causing you to be like the Lord? To be the likeness of Jesus? See, that's what a true saint is. A saint is a replica of Jesus Christ on the earth. doesn't mean that we're, you know, Jesus, we're Jesus. I'm not saying that. We seek to replicate him in our lives by allowing his Holy Spirit to work through us. Amen? And so he says, to the saints who are at Ephesus. Now the phrase, are in Ephesus, is not in some manuscripts. It's not in every manuscript. And it shows you that majority of the epistles were were circulated, you know, throughout the region. And so, of course, Ephesus is targeted here because some manuscripts do use the word Ephesus. But in the earlier ones, there's no Ephesus mentioned. Paul, when he went on his missionary journeys, he would go into regions and he would use cities as hubs to be able to establish more churches in the area. In fact, this church in Ephesus is responsible for the other six churches in the, recorded in the book of Revelation. So he used Ephesus as a means to use it as a hub to reach out to these other places in what is known as Asia Minor or what is known as Turkey today. And so he used that as a hub. Now, the Ephesus is one of the prison epistles uh, that Paul wrote from prison, and it is a very powerful um, treatment on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is a companion to Ephesus called the, the letter to the Colossians. It almost has the same tone to it. It's got some of the same uh, teachings within it, except... When we look at Ephesians, he's, he's uh, emphasizing the body of Christ, where in Colossians, he's representing the head, Jesus Christ. So he's showing in both of those two letters, you get an idea of the head of the church in Colossians and his body on the earth, which is us in Ephesians. Amen? And so that's why Ephesians is so vitally important and the reason why it is so deep in fact, the, 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 the first 21 verses on it are absolutely some of the most dense uh, word that you can get in the New Testament and perhaps throughout all the Bible. So when he talks about Ephesus, we need to go back and remember, you know, about Paul's travels to Ephesus. And that's found in Acts chapter 19. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 19, and Acts chapter 20. And I'm just going to paraphrase them for the sake of time, but you can read them on your own. But you can see that uh, but on his second missionary journey, the Apostle Paul finds himself in Ephesus. Now, he's desiring to go back to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. So he doesn't really want to stay in Ephesus. He wants to go back to Jerusalem and celebrate this feast. So he goes into the synagogue of Ephesus uh, with Priscilla and Aquila, and uh, he begins to preach and declare Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and they want him to stay. They say, stay here, you know, stay here, and uh, 
and, and teach us this stuff. And he says, I'm not going to do it. I got to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost, okay? So he leaves, but Priscilla and Aquila stay there. And they begin to minister. And there comes a young man by the name of Apollos. And Apollos, who's a Greek, comes in and he begins to learn about Jesus from Priscilla and Aquila. So Paul, after he goes to Jerusalem and comes on his third missionary journey, he decides to go to Ephesus, okay? Now, one of the main things that you've got to understand is that the Apostle Paul walked in the direct revelation of the Word of God. He walked in the revelation of and the witness of the Spirit. Because when the Ephesians asked him, stay here with us, he said to them, he said, if God permits, I will come and see you again. Now this gives us great insight on how we're to live our lives. We should never take anything for granted that we are going to be going this direction or doing this. We need to open ourselves up and say, okay, Lord, whatever you desire, because we can get preconceived ideas of what what we think we need to do next. Or because opportunity has availed itself, we can begin to think, well, that's the Lord, when really it may not be. It may not be the Lord's will and desire for that. But But praise God, he was able to go back by the direction of the Lord to Ephesus. Now he meets what are some disciples that were studying under the teaching of John the Baptist. And these were some men that understood the baptism, you know, to repentance. And they they were seeking after God. And uh, he runs into them. And and they begin to tell him that they're disciples of, of, of John the Baptist. You know, his, the word from John the Baptist had reached even out to that region. And Paul asked him a question. And, and it's, it's, it's a main question that, that, that people need to answer in their lives. Every believer needs to answer this question. And what's the question? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Hello? Oh, there's some denominations that don't want you to ask him that question. But the Apostle Paul, that's exactly what he asked him. He said, you know, John's baptism was a baptism under repentance. And what, what Paul is telling them, have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit since you believed? See, one thing that we have to understand is that the modern church separates all these spiritual events. We get born again, and then we, you know, stay there for a little bit, and then we hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then we might get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on now. And then we, we, we hear about healing a few years, and then we receive healing. But the way the book of Acts teaches us is that people got saved, filled with the Spirit, healed, and delivered all at the same time. Amen. They got they got it all. One stop shop. Hello. Because once you receive Christ and receive the gospel message, you, you can receive the power of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit immediately. And in fact, many cases in the Book of Acts we see it happening 
to where Peter, when he went in Cornelius' household and he preached the gospel, he said the Holy Ghost fell on them. Why? They were already seeking after God. He was proclaiming Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And praise God, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They believed immediately, and guess what happened? They began to pray in other tongues. Amen. Come on now. We've had that happen here. We had a young lady in the auditorium. You know, she came in. She received Christ. And then all of a sudden, she just began to speak with other tongues immediately. That's really the biblical pattern, guys. It's because we have been so indoctrinated in religiosity and in religion that we think that these are separated events or Sometimes we even doubt that there are events at all. Amen? But we have to go by what the Scripture says, not by what our pastor says, not by what Paul says or, you know, Grandma says or whatever. That tongues is of the devil. You know, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach. You know, I hung out at bars. I never heard anybody praying in tongues in the bar. You go dancing in the club. I never heard anybody praying in tongues at the club. Hello. How many ever was in a drug deal and you heard somebody just give out an utterance in other tongues? So I'm telling you, that's not of the devil. Amen. There was some tongues going on, but it was some other tongues. Some, some wagon tongues. Amen. <laughs> but that's the pattern. And so what happens is, is he leads them in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Of course, it's assumed from the text that they received Christ because they were looking for Christ. Because what was John's message? John's message was repent for the kingdom of God is coming and the Messiah is coming. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's what they were doing. They were waiting for the preparation. Well, guess what? They didn't see Jesus physically, but they got to meet Jesus through a man that came into their lives and showed them a more fuller revelation. And they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. And he began to go into the synagogue for a period of time, and eventually the synagogue didn't want them in there. So he went to the school of Tyrannus, and he began to teach daily at the school of Tyrannus. And he did this for quite some time. I believe it's six years uh, total that, that he began to, to do this and establish the church of Ephesus. Now, you know, sometimes when you establish a work, you know, it, it's just a grind. You know, you just got to plod along, continue to teach the word, teach the word, and you might not see anything super miraculous right off the bat. Something changed considerably when the seven sons of Sceva, how many know that from the Bible? The seven sons of Sceva, they decided that they were, they saw the apostle Paul casting out demons in the name of Jesus. So they decided that they were going to do that as well. So they found them a demon-possessed person, and uh, they began to try to expel that spirit out of that man by saying, we expel you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Okay? So what does that tell you? 
They have no revelation of the name. They have absolutely no relationship with Jesus. Hello. You've got to understand this, that when you're going to invoke the name of Jesus, you need to have a relationship with him. Amen. That's just like when you invoke, you know, when you get married, you know, and you receive your husband's name. You know, it's good when you invoke that name to, you know, be in union. Come on now. Amen. And, and it's with the name of Jesus. You know, when we, when we say the name of Jesus, sometimes we just say it superfluously without any meaning. Just, just something like we would say, you know, uh, some other quote or some other word. But when you really have a relationship with him and you invoke that name, his signature will begin to manifest in your life. Amen? He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, I will sign my name to the casting out of devils. I will sign my name to the healing of the sick. I will sign. Do you understand that? I will sign my name to speaking with new tongues. See, that word signet or sign is the word signature in the Greek. It means that it is Jesus' signature. So don't follow anybody that does not teach the signature of the master. Because he says these are the signatures. See, there has to be a delineation because we know that there are other spirits in the world today that manifest in different ways. Jesus, because of his great wisdom, he gives us his signature. He said, here's my signature. They're going to speak with new tongues. They're going to cast out devils. They're going to heal the sick. Come on. That's my signature. Amen? Come on now. And, you know, you look in Deuteronomy and you see nine manifestations of, of occultic uh, practices and, and spirits, you know, they're listed there, necromancy, you know, all kinds of different things, talking to the dead. The reason why he lists those things in there is because he wants to give you a contrasting point to say, hey, this is what the devil's doing. This is what is the, their cult is doing. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. And he gives us the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So those nine manifestations aren't just something that we look at and say, oh, well, that's a nice list. No, it's a way to contrast between what the occult world is doing and what God will do. Amen? And so we can say, oh, yeah, that's the Lord. That's his signature. That's his signature. Amen? Come on now. You know, how many ever bought a signature shoe from an athlete or a signature basketball from an athlete or a signature golf ball, some of you golfers out there? Well, they're, they're formed and made to the specifications of that athlete. Well, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit, they're geared. They manifest and have the signature of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that means there's no substitute for it. There's no counterfeit for it. Amen. Okay. All right. So they begin to cast out this devil. And, uh, of course, they're just aggravating the, the thing. And he looks at him. He says, you know what? Uh, Paul I know and Jesus I definitely know. 
but who are you? And that's really what the kingdom of darkness tells those that do not know Christ. Listen, if you are a born-again believer, and I don't care how weak you might think your life is right now. I don't care how small you think you are. Demons tremble when you walk in a room. They're more afraid of you than you should be afraid of them. You shouldn't. They are afraid of you. They're so afraid of you that they plot and plan and conspire against you. You don't plot and plan against your friends or against people that you have no threat, that are not a threat. You plot and plan over threatened people that threaten you. Amen? And guess what? If the seven sons of Sceva were acting out today, they would say, Paul I know, Jesus I know, Jesse I know, Greg I know, Rebecca I know, but who are you? And he beat them up, ripped off their clothes, ripped off all their clothes. That's a, that's a whipping. You know, you're going to get whipped to where your clothes are off and you're running naked from them. You got whipped bad. That's a bad whipping. Amen? Well, guess what happened? That instance opened the door to show the contrast of the signature of the fallen demons and things of that nature that are trying to do things in the occult world. And it highlighted the power of God in the church of Ephesus. So much so that the Apostle Paul would wear garments and handkerchiefs as he ministered and preached. And the anointing, that same anointing that was on Jesus. Remember, Jesus had that anointing to where people wanted to touch his clothes. The woman who had the issue of blood was not the only one that touched the hem of his garment. It says multiple times in the Gospels that they sought to touch him. Why did they seek to touch him? Because everywhere he went, he preached, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so they reached out in that anointing. And remember when the woman who had the issue of blood touched him, Jesus said, who touched me? Now, there was a throng around him, but because she touched him with her faith, it released the power of God. Well, the apostle Paul is preaching the word of God, and the anointing that is on that word and on him, the same anointing because he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Amen? went into those napkins and went into those aprons. And they would take them and they would give them to demon-oppressed people and people who needed healing, and they were immediately healed and demons left them. Amen. Amen? Amen? Now, there's something unique about that because, you know, the anointing somehow can transfer to cloth. Now, you know, you can have paper. It doesn't translate to paper. 
It's not a, con- a good conductor of the power of God. But for some reason, when it comes to fabric, the anointing can go into fabric. And that's why we have prayer claws and things of that nature that we can pray over. Uh, there's been, uh, um, I remember uh, a, a gentleman was having trouble with his daughter. She has been really rebellious and just having a lot of problems and uh, went to Derek Prince and said, what do I do with my, you know, daughter? I, I don't know what to do. And, and uh, he said, well, while you're doing her laundry, see, that means he had to do her laundry. Hello. And you're, you know, pray over her clothes. Lay your hands on her clothes. And begin to just speak and release life and the anointing in those clothes. Now, you might be sitting there going, oh, that's just strange and everything. Well, guess what? I think you're strange. Amen? That's not strange at all when it comes to understanding the things of God. Amen? And so they began to pray over that. Uh, oh, that, that's a good story. I got to tell you this one too. But, but uh, um, they prayed over those clothes. She started wearing those clothes to school. And all of a sudden, she just began to change. Over a process of time, she began to change. And uh, praise God, their relationship was restored. And um, one of the part of the problems was, is that his mother uh, was kind of uh, a control freak. How many have, have one of those, you know? And you know what control freak is? That means that you're practicing witchcraft. Because when you, when you do that, when you try to control other people and try to, you know, dominate other people, you're, you're operating in witchcraft. And so she was, you know, operating. She was uh, someone that, you know, manipulated a family and things of that nature. Well, the little girl went to go stay the night over her grandma's house. And her grandma was washing her clothes. And all of a sudden, that spirit got off of her. Amen. I'm telling you, this is true stuff. Amen. There's been multiple times that we prayed over prayer claws and they've went to hospital rooms, to ICUs, to places where people had absolutely no hope and God lifted them up and they're alive today because of the anointing. It's not the cloth and it's not necessarily who prays over the cloth. It's the anointing of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, all right, I'm running out of time because I told you I'd get you out at eight every time, all right? So, so... All of a sudden, there just seems to be a, see, here, here's the key. People want revival. You hear that over and over. I want revival. Yeah. Pastor, why don't we experience revival? And I want to look at them and say, really? You don't know why? You don't have a clue as to why? You know, we think that revival is an event that God's waiting on on a calendar. We think, well, you know, oh, it's going to be March 25th, 2023. That's when God's going to move. No, God's already moved. The day of Pentecost was the start of all revival. God took the ball and passed it to us. Now we have to do something with what he's given us. And there hasn't been sufficient teaching. 
And there's been a lot of roadblocks to creating the unity necessary, to creating the amount of revelation knowledge that is necessary for people to actualize revival in their hearts. Amen? Now, when the power of God starts operating in this way, when they start seeing demons being cast out, most people, they don't want demons being cast out in their service. Because there's a whole new brand of sights, sounds, and smells that people are uncomfortable with. But this needs to be a hospital. And when you go into an operating room, you know, it's all, it can be messy. Well, it's the same with the church. We need to get to where we come to minister, not to be ministered to. Do you, do you understand that? So, you know, when it comes out, you know, to church services, people want revival. But then when revival shows up or the gifts of the Spirit, I was telling our students uh, just uh, Monday night, I've had so many people come and they'll say, you know, we just want a church where the gifts of the Spirit move, you know, where we can feel the presence of God. And then when the presence of God happens and the gifts move, they're ready to leave. And the reason is, is that majority of people, they just want a church that believes in the gifts. They don't want to experience them. They just want to tell their neighbors, well, my church believes in the gifts. Well, have you seen one? No. Hello, I had some people years ago, don't try to figure out who they are, because I won't tell you who they are. I had a couple come in, and uh, we were teaching on charismata. How many remember that teaching series, charismata? And I was teaching on the nine manifestations of the Spirit of God. And um, they were just excited, you know, they were excited. Man, we, we haven't been to a church that teaches on the gifts of the Spirit at all. We, we, we're so excited to see this happen. Well, you know, when you teach on the gifts of the Spirit, they should show up. Amen. We're not just showing up, you know, like, like we're in a, uh, uh, what would you call, um, oh, goodness gracious, it just escaped my mind, um, a museum. Where we where we we look at them and we look at this, you know, and they're behind the cage, you know, like a zoo, you know, and 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 we, you know, it's we're safe, you know. Don't let them out, don't let them out. But you know, here they are. Here's this and here's that. Come on now. And so we began to see manifestations of those and began to give opportunity for them. And uh, so uh, we, we did a practice at that time that in between the praise and worship and, and in between um, offering, we would open the altars and people would come down and receive prayer and things of that nature. And many words came forth, many tongues and interpretations, things of that nature came out. I'm telling you, these people hightailed it to the back and were never seen again. And... I have a pastor friend that they showed up at their church. And he said, hey, so-and-so showed up on a church. I said, man, where did they go? He said, they couldn't handle it. 
That's what he said. They couldn't handle it. See, the birth of this church that we're about to read the letter of was birthed supernaturally. And it was supernatural power of God that brought the transformation. Because when you walk into a territory, if you study the book of Acts, every place that the Apostle Paul went into had a demonic stronghold over it. A god or goddess that ruled over those people. In Ephesus, it was Diana. Or as the, you know, the um, Asia, Asians call her Artemis. And she was the goddess of fertility. And you know when, uh, when a god or a goddess, little g, god, not big god, has a hold on a people, they are in the, the nation's economics. You understand what I'm saying? And so as he begins to preach this thing and begins to preach the gospel and the power of God begins to manifest and deliverances and healings and miraculous signs and wonders, <coughs> the signature of Jesus starts being written out over the region. <coughs> it starts making people absolutely nervous. Some of them repent and they bring... Now listen... You don't you, you think, well, these are people back in the old times, you know, they weren't very smart. They were smarter than you. <coughs> Shoot, have you have you read some of the textbooks in our schools today? We think we're ascending, we're devolving. They had books of spells. Curious arts and different kinds of talismans, things of that nature, and, and idols and gods of gods. And they brought them because of the transforming power of God. Wow. They brought them and piled them up and burned them. Hello. And today, we're just the erudite you know, educated church. We don't believe in that stuff. And it is a sad state of affairs that a 13-year-old girl knows more about the supernatural through her Ouija board than most Christians do that should be reading their Bible and understanding. You can't have revival without riot. Because it's a territorial showdown. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a territorial showdown. And the first place that you're going to have high noon in, and you know what I mean by that. Some of you older people, you know what high noon is. The first place you're going to do your battle and have high noon is going to be right here. If you want revival, you need to make sure you're showing up at high noon. And you're tackling that pride, that ego. Amen? 
that ignorance, that unbelief. Come on now. You got to start with you. Amen. Well, Lord, send revival. Well, guess what? You want it in this house? Get it started in that house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. And so the, the, the church began to flourish and blossom because of the supernatural power of God that accompanied the message. We've tried to win a nation over with just a message. We've tried to use our mind, our intellect to convince the scientific community of the validity of Scripture. When really, it's never been just about a message. It's about message and signs following. See, we're called witnesses. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? It gives credence and evidence to something that has been said. So we not only give them the gospel message, but we release the signature of Jesus in every household, in every uh, workplace, in every business that the Lord gives us opportunity. Amen? It's important. It's totally important. And you know what you need to understand is? Is that science today is bought and paid for by elitist. So they're going to put their slant on science. So I would, I would tell you, science ain't real science anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. But Jesus said, you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Amen? Come on now. Hallelujah. You know why scientists won't speak out against COVID-19, won't give you stuff? Because they're going to be blackballed and they're going to lose their grants. They're going to lose it. They don't want to be at McDonald's serving you your Big Mac. Come on, it's the truth. They don't want to be sacking at Phelps. They have grants that are given to them. And if it doesn't come out the way that the corporation or the, the engineer wants it to come out, they fudge it. They make it say. Because they're not going to get no more money. Hello. And we've tried to intellectualize the gospel. We've tried to talk smart. But the Apostle Paul said this. He said, I didn't come with, you know, eloquent words of man's wisdom. But I came in demonstration. Oh, come on now. You know, we need to come in demonstration. Amen. Praise God. You got a sick child. I'm going to pray for that child. You got a bum knee. I'm going to pray for your knee. You got a devil in your house. We're going to cast it out. Uh, The kingdom of God has come to you. Why? Because when I showed up, the king showed up on the inside of me. Ephesus was high into the occult. 
And if you don't think the United States of America is in the same boat, you are deceived. We are a witchcraft nation. So what's the answer? Do we look for other ways? Well, if we just feed them food, there's not, not, not nothing wrong with giving food out, nothing wrong at all. But we've kind of gotten this social mindset, you know, if you give them, you know, I mean, there's churches that will actually wash your car while you're listening to them, you know, change your oil. Give you gifts for showing up. Come to youth and get an Xbox. Things of that nature. And using all kinds, and I'm, I'm, I'm using hyperbole, you know. But, you know, uh, using all other means to try to attract people in. I tell you what, you raise somebody from the dead, you won't have no trouble coming. You see someone heal of cancer, oh my goodness, man, people will be hearing that for. Yeah. You see somebody that gets delivered from demonic spirit, man, I'm telling you what, that's the best advertisement there is. Someone just simply getting saved. See, we've, we've focused on the wrong stuff. We need to go back to what the book of Acts not one time does the book of Acts say, and Paul and Barnabas went out and gave out signs for church bingo so that... Not one time do I hear there was distribution to the poor, definitely, distribution to the poor. Nothing wrong with that. But they never leveraged that. I never leveraged that. That was an extension of what God did to them. It wasn't a means to an end. I tell you what, I'm going to close with this, all right? I went through a flood back in 2019. My house was flooded, had eight feet of water in, in it, you know, for about a week. <clears throat> and when the flood waters receded, the whole neighborhood, you know, was just totally demolished. You couldn't move back into the places at all. You know, you had mold issues. You had structural damage. You had all kinds of things in there. And, you know, good, well-meaning people came to help and assist. And I, I'm here to tell you that this church right here, we were able to help and assist people and as well as they assisted me, but we assisted, you know, others. Jim and Paula McKnight next door. They, they, you know, we had several families in the church that we assisted, and we had other families that we assisted. But what concerned me was these church vans would come down through there. And they would get out of their vans and they would spend just a few minutes at each other place. But they were taking pictures of them picking up sticks. They would take a picture and get the, you know, the Instagram and then put the, you know, don't put it in where it needs to go, just drop it down. I saw that several times. And they think that that's going to win over. Do you understand that? I'm telling you, you know, 
if we'll do what the Bible says. If we'll proclaim and give witness to the supernatural power of the gospel, we'll fill our churches. Amen. And that's how Ephesus was built. Ephesus was built on a supernatural. I mean, people, they were so mad at them burning those idols that the idol makers caused an uproar. Revival is messy. It is not this quaint, we're just going to have four nights and we're going to come together. No, it's getting rolling up your sleeves and getting messy in people's lives. Amen? And that's the reason why I want all of us to be able to say, put your name there. Greg a minister of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Wade, a minister. Bob, a minister. Hello. Come on now. See yourself in that. Understand that. To the saints, how many saints do we have here? Praise God. It says, you know, Jude says this. It says that Jesus is coming back. With ten thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. How many holy ones do we have here? Praise God. Amen. What makes you holy? Your conduct? The way you dress? What church you belong to? No, it's Jesus. His blood. His power. Amen. Hallelujah. I kept you a little late. I apologize. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.